Would you bet a few thousand dollars that you could sink an eight-foot putt? What about 10 grand that you could win a drag race against a Camaro with a thousand horsepower? If you bet $2 million, could you bet it all on one football game? Maybe you wish you could, but you probably wouldn't. Gamblers is about the people who did. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network comes Gamblers Season 2. Listen now. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. It's getting dicey. Benny Souls, another week, another chance to lock up the top seed for the Eagles, to lock up the bye, and they lose once again. Saints 20, Eagles 10. I'm Shil Kapati. As always, joined by Ben Solak. Benny Souls, I think I saw you tweet your panic meter is not that high. How are you feeling this evening? Yeah, panic meter not too high. Uh, extremely frustrating loss. Pissed off, right? Like, dumb way to lose poor performance a lot of mistakes from knucklehead stuff to like more more important stuff there's absolutely tenable achilles heels issues that'll matter in the playoffs jalen hurts healthy not healthy whatever but in general the panic meter is low uh because over two games they lost to the cowboys because of defensive issues they lost to the saints because of offensive issues Defense really had it, held it down late against Cowboys after like the first good drive or two. Offense really held it down against the Cowboys. It's not like they have like a systemic problem. It's not like something, you know, same exact thing reared its head in two weeks. There was one thing that was a problem in two consecutive weeks. And we'll talk about that. But in general, like it's it's okay. You know, really easy to figure out how to solve a lot of these offensive problems when when number one's back there. Like that's 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 not a hard leap. So the panic meter isn't that high. With that said, as I've said on this show. I am less than 100% convinced that Jalen Hurts will be at 100% if and when he returns. And that's where your, your panic meter starts to rise. Is okay, just how many of the issues that Jalen Hurts usually solve will he be able to solve 
when he comes back because we don't really know what his health is going to be at. So altogether, I'm like more pissed about like, hey, like, don't lose to the Saints. I don't like the Saints. The Saints are bad. You could have had a better draft position and you could have locked up the one seed. This was dumb more than I am like concerned in terms of the playoffs, but it's going to be a tight NFC race. I've been saying that the whole time. It's good. It's good for content. I mean, now we got a week 18 game we have to talk about. That's how oh I look. Goodness. You know, if they lose, ne- if they lose next week, it's like an ultimate uh, all time choke job to lose the the number one seed given where they were a few weeks ago and if they win you know what they're still going to be the one seed in the nfc so let me get everyone up to speed on what needs to happen next week and then ben can react to this so it's mostly simple what next week comes down to if they beat the giants they are the one seed they get the bye everything is fine and by the way they are on FanDuel. 14-point favorites against the Giants. Big reason for that? Well, one is they they whooped the Giants a few weeks ago, but a bigger reason for that is that the Giants locked up their playoff seed today. They literally have nothing to play for. They cannot move anywhere in the NFC playoff picture regardless of the result next week. So I think the assumption there would be you you rest as many guys as you want to, it doesn't matter, and you get ready for the playoffs. You get kind of a mini buy uh, if you're the Giants, which is really weird looking at this uh, a month ago if we would have said, hey, week 18, Eagles, Giants, Giants can rest people. Eagles are going to need that game to get what they want. Where's your your confidence level on Giants resting a lot of players? Uh, High, I would say. I, See, I, I don't know. I think I'm interested. If it were Joe I always, Judge, I, I, I would say I would say not high, but I think yeah. they'll. I never be know smart it with, it. with a first time coach. It's always interesting, right? And like I haven't looked into what like the Giants did preseason and who who they who they started, like how long they gave Daniel Jones run. I haven't looked into like what the Bills previously did, and I'm sure somebody out there's got. I haven't I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I do think there's like you know, I do think there's something to be said for like wanting to beat the Eagles who beat you very badly, and like a team that you can knock out of the first overall seed. You can knock the Eagles out of the bye week. Problem is you're probably knocking the Cowboys potentially into the bye week, potentially into winning the division. So it's not even like you're just harming a division rival. You might actually be harming one and helping another. But I'll be curious to see. I'm less confident than like a 14-point line. I'll put it to you that way, that they rest their starters in week 18. But it makes sense. And I wouldn't be surprised to see like a lot of backups in. To me, that is, I, I mean, to me, it should be an easy decision. You're right. I don't know, you know, what Dayball said, if he's said anything about it in the past. But, man, to go in there and risk an injury as you're going into the playoffs, it's not like you're sitting them for two weeks or three weeks or whatever where you're worried about rust. You're coming off one of your best games of the season uh, today, the Giants over the Colts, the way they played. So you have those good feelings. Let everyone rest up, go on the road, and try to pull off an upset in the first round. But we'll see. Maybe that line will change this week. All right. So that's one way Eagles get the one seed. Other way they get the one seed is if they lose, the Cowboys lose, and the 49ers lose. Unlikely, 49ers, I think, are like 13-point favorites against the Cardinals. Cowboys are about touch six, six, seven-point favorites against the Commanders. But if the Eagles lose, they can back in if both the Cowboys and the 49ers lose. Now, the other two scenarios, Eagles can fall as low as the number five seed. Would this be something, Ben, if this time next week we're saying, well, Eagles are going to Tampa. Eagles fans, Eagles. listen to the joy in his voice as he says this. <laughs> listen to this sicko who all he wants is content and drama and clicks. I am aligned with you. Cliff and I are here for you. Not are, clicks. I want you. fun. Yeah, I want fun. Yeah, I don't care if that. I told you. I've been trying to tell you this all season, so you don't believe me. Uh, that would be interesting if they if they fall to the five seed. So it's very simple. 
if they lose, the Cowboys win. Eagles drop to the five seed. You're going to Tampa for the second year in a row in the wild card round uh, to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then there's one more scenario. Eagles lose and the Cowboys lose, but the 49ers win. Well, now Eagles still win the division, but they don't get the bye. So now you're the two seed and you host the seven seed. How confusing was that, uh, Benjamin Solak? Are you confident that at this time next week, we're going to be talking about the Eagles as the number one seed in the NFC, just as we suspected uh, a month ago? Yes. What's your I'm confidence level? One to, one, to ten, one to ten, your confidence level that that's what we'll be talking about. Nine. Because they're gonna be, the, oh, I think they'll be the Giants. Okay. I'd be very surprised if they didn't All be the Giants, especially with the potential Giants sitting factor brought into it. I do think if they lose to the Giants, they're in trouble. I think the Niners are gonna win their game, and the Cowboys are gonna win their game. Niners have Arizona, Cowboys have at Washington. Washington doesn't even know which way is up. Ron Rivera was informed today after the game that there were playoff implications to other football games Poor going Ron. on. Uh, and the 49ers obviously tried their hardest to lose to Jared Stidham, which was just a, a mind-numbing, eye-popping, slack-jawed game to watch. But with that said, I think the Niners beat the Cardinals, and I think the, the Cowboys beat, beat Washington. And so uh, if the Eagles lose, I do think they're in jeopardy. I do think they're going to lose the one seed. But I expect them to beat the Giants. Uh, like I said, this is a frustrating loss, but I don't think you're getting the con- the confluence of events that first led to you losing the Cowboys game or like, like turnovers and like bad stuff in the fourth quarter. And then the confluence of event that leads you to losing this, this saints game, along with just a really terrible offense performance, Minshew included and, and outside of Minshew. Uh, I just, I, I think the team's a lot better than that. I think that this is embarrassing and there's a chance that it, it's good for them, right? Cause it kind of knocks them into playoff gear a little bit, regardless. However, whatever they come out with in the Giants, especially if hurts plays, I think they beat him. I think they'll lock up the one seed nine out of 10. I'm not sweating. It's- well, if you well, the numbers would back if if you look at five thirty eight, and if you're an Eagles fan listening, being like, tell me something good, they still have a ninety two percent chance, according to five thirty eight. There you go of earning that first round buy. So it's still the most likely scenario. I mean, I remember uh, what week was it where we were getting all the questions? Hey, what do they do in week you know seventeen and eighteen if they've already got it locked up? Well, weird stuff happens in the NFL. They've lost two in a row. I agree with you. This was different. Like this was not, it wasn't really fluky in my opinion. Like, you know, you can explain away a four turnover game that, Hey, most of the time, if you turn it over four times, you're going to lose like this one, the the better team today, uh, in my opinion, won, and we can get into the offense uh, mm-hmm. and the defense in a minute. But th- they did get outplayed today, and it wasn't just you know a little, little fluky turnover, a little bounce uh, bounce of the ball here and there. Although there were a couple plays that if they went their way, maybe they win the game. Let's let's go over the injuries real quick before we break it down. Offense and defense. Josh Sweat with a very scary play, uh, neck Horrible. injury. In the first quarter, went to the hospital, Eagle said after the game, that uh, on a positive note, he's being released from the hospital tonight. Beyond that, uh, there's no update there. So hopefully, just for his sake, he's you know, that, that, that he's going to get, um, some good news and maybe it's not as bad as it looked. Although obviously we have no idea if sweat is going to be able to return, if he's going to play next week, if he's going to play in the playoffs or whatever, uh, Jalen hurts. 
I feel like is going to be starting the game next week against the uh, against the Giants. They haven't said that. Mm-hmm. They said he was close today. He practiced a little bit after the podcast. We recorded midweek. He was out there uh, practicing a little bit. So all signs would seem to indicate that he's in a spot where now they need this game that he would probably play uh, on Sunday against New York. Although, again, we'll see if that happens or not. And then the last one, uh, Lane Johnson obviously was out. There was a little mystery about, you know, hey, how are they going to replace him? Well, it was just Jack, Jack Driscoll filling in there uh, at right tackle. So uh, th- those are the injuries. I mean, if, if you don't have sweat, you're thin there because a guy we haven't talked about in a while is Robert Quinn. He's been injured. Uh, you lost Derek Barnett early in the season. So now you would be talking about Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick, and then you kind of don't know what you have behind that. So this was a position that was very deep. We've said it always sucks when you get injured at the same position like multiple players. That's yep. what you really want to try to avoid, and that's kind of what they haven't been able to avoid there at the edge spot. Yeah, the sweat injury was scary. You hope that he's okay. The Eagles have a generally deep defensive line and have the the, the depth of defensive tackle that I think they can still bring out a really good pass rush, and, I, and Reddick has played so well this year. And then Graham... Broke his double-digit sack figure. Huge. This has been a career year sacking the quarterback for Brandon Graham. Not on my bingo card of things I was going to say at any point in this season, but there you go. Uh, Such that you feel as okay as you can losing a double-digit sack guy potentially for for the the playoff run in Week 17, but it's it's, it's still a tough feeling. And it was something they tried to account for with Robert Quinn, right? Try to get a better depth at edge, and then Quinn gets hurt, and this way it gets hurt. Patrick Johnson... Remains an issue when he's on the field. Run defense, not helpful. Pass coverage, not helpful. Pass rush, minimal. Uh, not 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 a player that moves the needle. Uh, I wonder... I mean, they play more, play more Kaiser on the edge. They kind of try to do that sometimes. I don't think that helps either. They're just thin, right? If, if they're losing sweat for a significant amount of time, they're just thin. There's no two ways around it. And let's see with Quinn. I mean, we are in week 17. If you do get the... By you're talking about you got three weeks from today before you would you know before you would need one of these guys so you do have some time to see who actually would be healthy for that game all right let's talk about the off let's start with the offense a little bit uh this was just a horrific i mean all season every week we come on here boy it looked really easy man it looked really easy this was the first time i was going oh i remember what it's like to watch an offense where everything looks hard and they just can't pick up a first down i mean they start out the game with four straight three and outs to start the game they were in danger ben of being the first team in the last four years to not have a first down in the first half that that yep. last drive where they get the josiah scott interception and they pick up a couple first downs that kind of saved them uh saved them from that but still it was what two first downs in the first half 11 first downs for the game that's the fewest they've had in a game since 2014 2014 uh what, what were you doing in 2014 benjamin I uh, taking my SATs. <laughs> there you go. Ben was taking his SATs. I was in my second full-time year uh, as a full-time beat writer covering the Chip Kelly Eagles in my first uh, first go-around for Birds 24-7 with the great uh, Tim McManus. So that was the last time, I think it was a game against the Seahawks. They had 11 first downs in a game. So uh, it was by far their worst offensive performance of the season based on EPA per drive. It was their worst offensive performance since week 17 of the Super Bowl season, the infamous 
six nothing loss to the Dallas yeah. Cowboys, where years later, what I remember that loss for is Jeffrey Lurie referenced how good Nate Sudfeld's completion yep. percentage was uh, in that game, which I always just cracked. The Sudfeld ass. era, man. What a time. What a time when we, they were really trying to sell us on Nate Sudfeld as hard as they could. Uh, so that was the last uh, time they had a worse EPA per drive than today. What stood out? I mean, there we could go in a number of different directions just when you're mm-hmm. looking at, man, this offense sucked. Is it as simple yeah. as, well, Min- Minshew sucked. When they get Jalen Hurts back, they'll be fine. Or did you see kind of a grander issues that we need to keep an eye on in the weeks ahead? This is the first game in which I would say the play calling was bad. And that's like, I don't know, it's... It's January 1st, literally. We made it through all of 2022 without there being a game. We're like, all right, we pick a, pick a nit with this one, pick a nit with that one. You know, maybe this play call here on third down, this, that, and the other thing. Like, you know, even the Colts game, where I was like, I right, a lot of read option stuff. Like, I get it. Like, this is too much, whatever. This Saints game was the first one where I was like, I don't, I don't get what we're attempting here. I don't know why we thought that Minshew was Dak and was just going to, like, slice up the pocket and or slice up from the pocket and correctly, like, figure out his one-on-one in every single snap. And, and like, once... I think, like, they, this game plan, passing-wise, made a lot of sense before we learned Marshawn Lattimore was going to play in this game. And once you learn Marshawn Lattimore was playing the game, like, all right, get out! Leave! Not this one! Because he he takes away such a large area by, by removing one receiver and by allowing safeties to help over, over inside receivers and you get additional bodies there. Like, this... For Sanders to have two carries in the first half, extremely bad. For the... First two Eagles third downs that were not third and 16, right? So on their four three and outs, they had two third and 16s. The other ones were third and three and third and one. They went true play action, not RPO, true play action, slant flat with the unblocked guy, the one that Jalen Hurts always makes missed. And Gardner Minshew did not make a miss, ends up with a zero yard sack sort of a play. And then third and three, they go slot fade to Devontae Smith, which was a hilarious play because we sat here on this pod and we were like, the number one thing that Gardner Minshew's got to learn after the Cowboys game is you find six, you find 11, you find 88, you throw to one of those guys. Don't mess around with these Quez snaps. Don't mess around with these Quez targets. And then on that third and three, they have Quez on the over the ball route, open with, with space. It's going to be contested, but it is open. It's a five-yard route on third and three. And Gardner never gives it a look. And he's just staring at Smith on a one-on-one 40 yards down the field. It's like, okay, yes, good. Like, listen to Ben and Shield, but calibrate. Like, if we're just talking podcast here, baby. This is the middle. Uh, so they're in this, like, uber pass-happy approach. It's not even like he's pulling it on RPOs. These are called passes, called play-action pass. They are not messing around with their option game too much. And then they come out in the second half. They get a couple of true Sanders handoffs, right? They get a, they get a, a Sanders handoff into a Sanders handoff into a cold design Devontae Smith screen. Again, not like an option look, but like a cold screen. They start pushing the football down the field. It's a great-looking drive, and they walk out on the very next drive, and they're throwing the football to play-action pass again. Like, guys, chill. Just put... like, like it, it, It's the same thing I've said previously. Just put the ball in the belly of the back. Options are cool. Play-action is cool packaging stuff having solutions to every look is cool put the ball in the belly of the back especially once things start to unravel right like once we're like okay we're down multiple scores to the saints at home in the first half just give the ball to miles like it's it's the running game is so good he's played so well this year he's over a thousand yard rusher you have four your five starting offensive linemen healthy that's as good as you can ask for at this stage put the ball in the belly of the back so a lot of that stuff was really frustrating um other offensive themes that I saw commented on, because I saw a lot of play calling criticism, which is very common in a loss, but I think a lot of that is, is justified this time around. 
Sawson, like, offensive line was really bad. Lane, you know, Jack Driscoll was really bad. He wasn't. He was fine. Uh, like, he lost to Cam Jordan, like, pushing him into the pocket a couple times. Minshew really managed the pocket very poorly because they're running a lot of this, like, you know, they they ran a lot of, like, three-step drop stuff where they want Minshew to, like, throw the ball in a go route right now, throw it on a seam route right now. And Minshew would just hitch, 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 and then he would just hitch into a sack. Like, he's killing his offensive line with that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, like, Driscoll, like, Lane would have played better there and, like, maybe would have saved Minshew on one of them. But a lot of that sack and pressure ends up being Minshew's fault. Um, and then, and then Devonte and like AJ Brown, like they had good days statistically. It wasn't incredible. Like, like Devonte could have caught that third and three slot. Fade. We've seen him make crazy catches like that before. He didn't have that one. They're not like solving your problems the way they usually do. Obviously the AJ Brown 78 yard catch, which brought them in a range, notwithstanding, it wasn't like, you know, as dominant of a game. I saw a lot of criticism for AJ Brown on the interception, the pick six from Marshawn Lattimore. He deserves it. He's got to run the route. You gotta, you gotta do the job. You gotta take the steps. You never know what's going to happen, but Minshew shouldn't throw that football. Marshawn Lattimore is standing four, five yards off the line, three feet inside of A.J. Brown, like as inside of leverage as you'll ever see, staring at Minshew. He's got to know. Marshawn's, and, and Latt- they've been closing on slants all game long. You got to see it. You have to look at that and know if I throw this, it's housed. Like Lattimore is, the Saints are running rush three, drop eight. They're sitting on all the quick game. They know it's coming. You can't throw the football. A.J.'s got to run the route. Contest the catch, break it up, whatever. But AJ's at the snap. Like, all right, there's no way he's throwing this football. He can't throw into this look. And Minshew does. So bad Minshew day, bad Steichen day. Yeah. I thought. And just, and just overall, on a just mm-hmm. on that. Uh, uh, sorry, on that on that pick six. Um, so AJ Brown said after the game, this is via Tim McManus. It was initially a press. I was trying to get uh, Gardner's attention to look up, but he never looked bad at, back at me. Lattimore actually caught it right out. And he basically uh, doubled me on the play, he said. So uh, I guess yeah. Minshew was expecting press, and he's going to get uh, inside of him and throw the slant there. Lattimore backs off. Like you said, they even dropped a lineman on that play. So we'll see kind of like a, you know, uh, it looked like cover two. And then uh, they dropped the lineman back on the play, and he has the interception there. So Minshew uh, didn't see that and and threw it. That was a huge, I mean, needless to say, a huge play in the game. They're down 13-10 at the time. You kind of felt like, all right, you know, like you said, they had yeah. the one drive to start the second half. They had the A.J. Brown uh, big play. You're thinking, all right, maybe they can come back and kind of steal this. I was thinking sort of like that Colts game, and then you throw that pick six there, and that, you know, for all intents and purposes, kind of ended it. Yeah, the uh, there's never been a corner in the history of the NFL cheating on a slant more than Marshawn Lattimore was on that play. Like, you just yeah. can't. And, and But A.J. still got like, all right, you tried to get Minch's attention, you didn't get his attention. Okay, well, go hit Lattimore, right? You got to compete. Uh, and so that that's that's like it's a coaching note in both rooms, in the quarterback room and the wide receiver room. So altogether, it's just a reminder that like Minshew played well against the Cowboys. He missed a few throws. Against the Saints played poorly. He made a few throws. And this is the nature of your backup quarterback. Right? This is this is who you hitched your wagon to a backup. Backup, you can go get yourself a 35-year-old veteran, right? You can go you have yourself a Joe Flacco, who like Flacco you can kind of set your watch to. Minshew's a little bit more up and down. This was a down. And so Jalen Hurts, week 18. He's going to solve so many of the pressure problems because Minshew is a liability working with his offensive line in this game. He's going to solve, yeah. hopefully, some of the accuracy problems if the shoulder's better. Introduce some more option game. It's a, In terms of the ills the Eagles had in this game, it's a panacea if they get 100% Jalen Hurts next week. 
Yeah, that drive they had to start the second half, I feel like they were running more, like you said, uh, you know, just just more gap scheme. It wasn't zone read. It wasn't RPO. It was just kind of gap gap scheme, and they were, you know, crushing it. I mean, Miles Sanders had some very big runs on that drive. It, you know, the, the first half, it's tough for me because they when it's three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, like you're having such a small volume of plays that even the ones we're nitpicking with, there's like a play here and a play there. They never could even just kind of luck into a first down where you see actually what they yeah. might do and that's the thing is like they had a third drive. and one they didn't convert they had a third and three they didn't convert right. they have the fourth and one when they're down by three uh turnover on downs right the Gardner Minshew failed sneak where they ran the ball in third and four uh what did they're you think not of getting that? the third and four they run it to Miles Sanders yeah assuming that they're gonna go for it on fourth down but you don't have Jalen Hurts to as your yeah I mean as your quarterback sneak problem solver did you have an issue you know did you like that call not like that call right. on, on third so down i don't think Sanders hurts run? like hurts is a is a good he's a great sneaker but let's not act like the average quarterback shouldn't be able to execute a quarterback sneak like the reason why that sneak doesn't work is because the eagles interior front got beat by the saints interior front right like Minshew hurts you know who's our third string guy right now reed's in it uh, ian book ian book there we go ian book right i think you know like i i if your interior you think loses, that gets stopped think, if it's hurts. The, I, I mean, they it. got blown back yeah. off the ball. Minshew like had okay. nowhere to go from the snap. I think I'll put it to you this way: on third and four, if I know I'm going for it on fourth down in this context, I'd rather have two passes to get five yards than a run to set up a run to get a fourth down. Like even for as good as you've been at sneaking, I prefer a pass pass there. If I know I'm going for it on fourth, 100 percent of the time, right? Like I can go like. Third and four, I can, like, if you want to run, like, I can even go, like, screen call. Like, I can go, like, RPO, and I can go screen call on one side and, like, a one-on-one shot on the other side. I can decide what I want post-snap, which, you know, they didn't run too much option stuff this game, but you can do that if you want. You can run RPO and have a, have a bubble screen and do the number count. I think, like, they had, to me, they tilted into that call because two drives ago, or not two drives ago. Yeah, yeah, three drives ago, I think it was. They had the third and four handoff to Gainwell which is a touchdown, is 100% a touchdown, that hold call yeah. is abysmal. And in terms of calls yeah. that piss me off, one is <laughs> underthrown defensive pass interference. Two is the defender fell over, let's call holding. Compete! He fell! It's on him! It drives me insane. I don't care. Eagles, Cowboys, it could be any team. That sort of stuff drives me up the wall. But, uh, alright, we have a third and four, and we have a nice run look. Let's get it back! And, like, you know, they don't get the same result. So, I don't know. It's that that's one that's a little bit nitpicky, I think. But it was just to go to show they had so many short yardage, like four and fewer on third downs and fourth downs in this game. They don't convert on. And like that's the sort of stuff where it, it's you get one of those and you're able to change the flow of the game. You're able to equal out time of possession a little bit better, able to flip field position a little bit better. And we can be talking about a whole different result. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back, talk more about the offense and then shift over to the defense. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles. 
because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we're back on the Ringers Philly special. Yeah, that that was a terrible call on on Dickerson. I mean, he pancakes the guy. That's like a, a block that you know, O line Twitter's going to be drooling about uh, all week. I mean, I don't like when refs make a call where it's like you clearly didn't see it. Like when they call a face mask and then they show it, it's like it wasn't a face mask. It's like, well, if you, you need to be able to, you need to see what you saw to throw the flag. And I, I don't see how you right. could see a holding call. Uh, if you're going to hold a guy, you have were, to impede him from yeah. going where he wants to go. The man is being right. taken by gravity to the floor. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here? Block. I know. Uh, Cliff, you were uh, in attendance at the game. I, I would imagine the, uh, the, the faithful at the link were not happy about that call. First of all, the game was awesome. Atmosphere was great. Fly was fly, go birds. Everybody in there was, was going <laughs> crazy. And shout out to my boy Rich for uh, looking out with the tickets as well. But, yes, the game wall touchdown, the stadium erupted right away because – that touchdown would have been like a 30, something like a 30 yard touchdown or 25 yard touchdown. 28 yarder, yeah. Yeah, 28 yarder. Uh, you know, obviously the Eagles weren't moving the ball at all. Game well, bust one. And then we see the flag go back, and I'm like, oh no, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so the flag comes out, and then holding offense number uh, 69, I think it was yeah. uh, Landon Dickerson's number. Yeah. The replay comes on the Jumbotron. <laughs> Yo, I've never heard a lot of eruption of booze in my life. That was insane, man. Yeah, that 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 was it. It would have made it 13-7 um, with that touchdown there instead. They Did you see the uh, Milata quote on the, the holding? He said he thought it was supposed to be on him. Is that what he said or something? No. Nah, uh, so... Yeah, he said, I thought it was going to be on me. And then he also said, and Cliff, use the beep because my mom listens to this pod. Uh, Milato also said of the officials on Dickerson's holding call, quote, they obviously haven't seen a fucking pancake before. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> oh, my God. He's the man. That, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah I can that, hear it in, the, in the Aussie like. accent, too. Yeah, it looked it looked like a clean pancake there that got taken away yeah so that was a, a big miss the sequence we talked about with the sanders third and four run and then the Minshew failed quarterback sneak and then the pick six you know those, those were kind of the uh, big notes here that i had and then yeah you start the game with four three and outs that's not going to be a uh, a good thing for sure by the way 
we joked about this the last time they did it. Can we chill with the let's throw a screen to Devontae Smith on the last play of the uh, first half when we're just trying to kill yep. the clock? Like I was seeing tweets. I think EJ uh, Smith was tweeting. He came up limping like, what are you doing? Are we really just trying to pad the box score or something here? Or you think you're going to score on like a 60 yard screen, like especially to Devontae Smith? If you want to throw that to a Zach Pascal or something and let him get a little, you know, a little feel for what the football feels <laughs> like, that's fine. But my gosh, that that, that is like... Like, can you imagine if he gets injured there or something? We're that's, we're leading the show with that. I, at this point, especially with the with the bodies piling up, forgive me. Like, I'm not yeah. I'm not risking, folks. I'm I got a check mark in my playoff box. We're not like the Devonte Smith screen against a hail mary defense isn't the worst idea when you need seven. Saints week seventeen. I'm not risking right. it at this time. I'll 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 run that out in the divisional round. Yes, if it's the playoffs, go ahead and do it. Uh, do not do it in this situation here. Uh, with Minshew, I'm with you. I, I look forward to watching the film, but it just feels like he's very jittery uh, back there. And like yeah. Yeah, he doesn't help at all when there's a little bit of pressure. He makes it worse, whereas, as we've talked about, Hurts, for the most part, even, you know, you can say, oh, he left the pocket uh, too early, but he's generally making it much better. And with Minchu, it just feels like there's kind of a panic factor with him. We've seen now for two weeks in a row in various situations where he is not helping the offensive line uh, with protection. And I mean, six sacks today. He he got sacked six times. And I would venture to guess not all those are on him. Yeah, Eagles have not had more than four sacks in a game yet this season up until this Saints game. Mm, uh, there you go. Film's going to be really interesting because if dudes are open, and by open I mean just like have leverage and man coverage, this is a really, really, really terrible game for Minshew. If the Saints locked it down, the Saints locked it down. When Dennis Allen's defense works, man, it's sick. And like Marshawn being back, huge for these guys. They have with with Marshawn, Paulson, Adebo, and Alante Taylor. Like they got a good corner room, whatever. But if there's opportunities to trigger that Minshew was looking at and chose not to take, that's unacceptable. You're 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 playing with the all star crew. Rip, grip it and rip it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. With the coaching staff, you mentioned the play calling. I yeah, I think it's fair to you know criticize the staff. Just if you if we're zooming out and saying like you're coming off a loss at Dallas, you're at home, your favorites against a not great team with a chance to lock up the number one seed and not have to worry about it in week eighteen, and you come out and you turn in your worst first half of the entire season, really on both sides of the ball. I mean, sloppy, lethargic, unprepared, whatever, you know, whatever, however you want to describe it is fine. But uh, I do think we've praised the coaching staff. It feels like almost every week this year. I think it's fair to criticize them, certainly in a spot like this. All right. The defense is a little bit of a trickier discussion, I feel like. You know, I felt like at halftime we might be leading the show with the defense, but then they kind of come out in the second half and really kept the kept the Eagles in the game. I mean, you look at the Saints drive chart here. You had the Josiah Scott interception, and then after that, you had punt, 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 punt. Five punts with a total of three first downs. No drive goes longer than 18 yards. So yeah. uh, we can't uh, just you know take those first four drives and throw them under the bed and say they didn't happen. We have to talk about those as well. They did not come out and play and play well, but certainly they improved as the game went on and they really gave the Eagles a chance to win the game in the second half. Eagles give up 313 yards, 19 first downs. Uh, like I said, started off badly, gave up points on three of the first four possessions, but then the next six possessions, interception, 
and five punts. Uh, Saints quarterbacks, we, I, don't know, I don't know how you want to describe Taysom Hill. The, the people on the Saints who were throwing the football were 20 for 24 for 183 yards. That's a completion percentage of 83%, and they averaged 9.5 yards per attempt. What did you think? What were your big picture thoughts on the way this defense played? Yeah, so uh, they got a Kaiser White problem. Like this is this is two. I said there was one thing that's been consistent over the two cowboy, like the two losses, Cowboys to Saints. The thing is, is quarterbacks hitting Kaiser. Uh, so Kaiser's weak side linebacker for the Eagles defense and their base stuff, right? Because Hassan Reddick's your strong side backer. So they're kind of like a more of like a three four inspired front, right? When they go to a four down front and they play with a nickel, they're going to play with that nickel to the strong side, right? To the two receiver side. And then Kaiser stays on the weak side, which means that one, if you have a good enough receiving tight end, a guy that you like Jawan Johnson for the saints, Dalton Schultz for the, uh, uh, for the Cowboys, you can get him on Kaiser. If the Eagles are matching strength to the passing strength, which is what they typically do. Number two, it means, uh, that if you go spread, right, if you get personnel in the field, like you go, you go 11 personnel, get one running back, one tight end, but you spread it out, you go four wide, you go empty, which they were hugely troubled with the, with the Cowboys in, in, in spread formations. They also struggled with the Saints in spread formations. You can get Kaiser up against the, a slot receiver. You can get him up against a detached tight end. And then you're in a position where, I mean, like Dalton hammered Kaiser. Just whenever they could get a look, they got a look. Even like late when they weren't moving the football, they come on that on one drive, first and 10 hard play action, Tight end leak to the flat. Kaiser just chasing him. Kaiser is really struggling to space right now when he's in zone. He doesn't know who to carry, what his landmarks are, or how, what routes to take away. How do I get underneath the seam? How do I get underneath the curl? He's lost in the sauce. Part of this is because there's no Avante Maddox, right? And that seems like dumb to say. We got a, a, a slot corner versus a weak side linebacker. But they occupy relatively the same space in the field, right? They're covering kind of the same general areas. Because the Eagles have no Avante, they're protecting Josiah by playing less man and not leaving him in one-on-one spots. And when they do, they play zone and Kaiser can't space. Kaiser cannot find his landmarks. And and there's so much room to throw behind him, so much room to throw next to him. They That could be better. Like, it's tough. Playing linebacker in a quarter's defense means you're always going to have a lot of space to cover. Like, that's just tough. It... Could be better if the Eagles were better at safety right now, right? Like there were a couple of throws in this game where like Marcus Epps like gets caught 15 yards down the field. Epps comes down and makes the tackle. If that player is like Justin Simmons, it can be a pass breakup. Like if he's faster, bigger, stronger, but he's not. If you had like a Fred Warner, right? Another quarters defense and a Mike linebacker who could help account for what, you know, some of the weaknesses in your weak side guy and you could close him to the space, then like you can hide the guy. But the Eagles have TJ in the can. So they just have, they, they, and then Josiah, the same thing, right? If you had a, a stronger nickel, you wouldn't have to ask as much as Kaiser, but they don't. And so now you just kind of have this, this weak interior where there's just no reason to throw the ball at Darius Slay and James Bradbury, right? Like, Slay was targeted, I want to say, once, and Bradbury was targeted, I think, like, twice, and one of them was the huge Rashid Shahid bomb, which, like, Shahid's a 4-3 on skates, man. Like, that's I just told that's, you, every game he has yeah. a 50-yard catch. I mean, I would throw the ball. I would give Shahid more shots. Yeah, he's, he's, he's all speed. I look up. Right. Now, you got a Kaiser issue. What could you... What could... Short-term, long-term, what are solutions? Long-term, they probably should have thought about finding a way to see if Nakobe could have taken Kaiser's job, and they never really did that. Like, all through camp, Nakobe was the Mike linebacker backup, and they never really investigated what he might look like weak side, and that's on them a little bit. Like, it's just that maybe they should have experimented with that. 
Well, we also have to admit that we don't see what they're looking at behind on a, on a typical practice right. week during the season, what N'Kobe Dean is doing. I mean, they have more information 100%. than we do in terms of what he's doing on the practice field, what he's doing in the meeting room, and are there reasons why they're saying, all right, he's not ready to go out there. Because you're right, with White, it's been at least a month, you know, maybe a little longer. I thought the first half of the season, he had some nice moments. He looked like an upgrade from what they had before. Uh, I would absolutely agree that his play has trailed off and a lot of these bad plays you're seeing on film in recent weeks, the last three or four weeks, he's involved in kind of a high uh, percentage of them. So sorry, that was one uh, solution. What what else were you going to say? No, hundred uh, percent. The other thing, like like what do you you know short term? What can you do? Can blitz him more, right? Send him on some more pressure packages on passing downs. You're going to remove him being a target in that regard. You're going to be able to play less zone and more man naturally, but you're also going to have additional pressure. But it's not like they're suffering for for pass rush, right? So. You know, uh, I, like, I don't know if there's a lot of value add there in that regard. Try to play more 5-1-5, right? And, and play with just one backer. Now you're, you're saying, okay, so we have James Bradbury on the field. We have Reed Blankenship on the field. We have, uh, you know, Marcus Epps. We have Josiah Scott. We have Avante Maddox and TJ Edwards. Those are all the guys that we have in the secondary. Now, if we want a seventh dude in the secondary, instead of Kaiser White, we're dropping Hassan Reddick, Patrick Johnson. Does that really help us? <sighs> I don't know. Probably not. Like you know, there's there's, there's difficulties finding the value add. So fundamentally, what's got it? What like what the actual short term solution is? Is Gannon doing stuff? It's Gannon figuring it out. It's Gannon saying, "I'm not going to leave him on an island anymore. I'm going to play man coverage. I'm going to get him off the field. I'm going to run pressure packages. I'm going to change zones. I'm going to fly guys around. I'm going to do something to like you can't solve the issue. So you have to hide it or relocate it or or." create a different issue somewhere else so you gotta like they're gonna line up on third and four looking for that dude make it another dude make him on the other side of the field do something trap coverages roll coverages do anything to just like there's gonna be a weak spot put it somewhere else man it can't take you four drives and like it's andy dalton he's he's a vet he's sharp like okay Sure, but it's still Andy. He didn't have an incompletion until the Josiah Scott interception. Yeah, get some pride. You can't just live on an expensive front. You gotta do something. Yeah, we, we'll see what they did on the film in the second half, but my feeling has remained the same with this defense. When the D-line and the pass rush dominates, the defense looks great. They set a, uh, an Eagles record today. They now had 67 sacks on the season. There's only been four teams in NFL history with more sacks in a season than the 2022 Eagles, and we're only through uh, you know 16 games, so you're not even cheating adding the 17th game. When that happens, I'm with you. That's coaching. I mean, you're not going to have a pro bowler at every position. We, I, You saw this with Josiah Scott in the Cowboys game. It's like, if you have a weakness on your defense, what are you doing to address that? What are you doing to help that? You even saw that early in this game with Josiah Scott where I thought, uh-oh, they're just going to have uh, Chris Olave in, this, in the slot and he's going to have like nine catches against uh, against Josiah Scott. And so uh, I'm with you. I mean, that that's coaching is looking at it. Are players in position to succeed? Who are my weaknesses right now? How do I fix that? How do I alleviate that? Uh, how do I come up with solutions to help them? 
them out. And I don't think that that has been a strength of this uh, of this defensive yeah. coaching staff. So we'll I, see what they do. We probably won't know, honestly, until, I mean, we'll see a little bit next week, but that could be mm-hmm. against Tyrod Taylor. And I don't even know who the Giants' backup receivers are. We don't know who their starters are. But really, this is just going to be like, all right, when we're talking about that first playoff game, this is probably going to be on the short list of what are you concerned right. about or what are we keeping an eye out? This. What, 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 like the light bulb that started to go off in my head watching this game was realizing, like, just how few defensive players make impact plays for the Eagles defense, right? Like, a lot of times when I talk about the linebackers, because I'm not a huge fan of like TJ or Kaiser going back for like a long time when like Kaiser was playing better. I'm like, all right, they're making a bunch of tackles, like five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like, that doesn't move the needle for me. They don't really take away a lot of space and coverage. Like, I don't see them generating, like, splash plays. Like, I just don't, they don't move the needle for me as individuals, right? I'm like, TJ and Kaiser, they don't really move the needle for me. And then, like, the safeties. I'm like, okay, like, Marcus Epps, like, he, like, steps down, he hits, right? He's been a better tackler this year. Uh, like, you know, he's, he's had, like, a, he's had a pass breakup in coverage. Okay. But, like, I just don't see, like, a lot of impact stuff. And I'm starting to realize, like, Gannon does not know how to get impact out of those dudes like gannon knows how to get an impact out of a front because it's clear go to the quarterback and he knows how to get impacts out of star corners because he leaves them on islands right like they're playing quarters so you're going to be isolated in your vertical or they're playing man coverage you're going to be isolated with your outside guy but like safeties and linebackers like if you don't have a fred if you don't have a justin simmons like if you don't have a star dude how do you get impact out of these guys you have to change the picture it's a like in this league the current meta the current like you know uh uh way to go is rotation roll change a look put a put a linebacker on the line and then drop him put a, a, a safety single high and then rotate him bring him down move somebody and in this way you can get impact plays from these positions and Gannon is just not interested in it as we have well to they be do st- some of that i mean it, it doesn't always work like even that play last week against the uh the cowboys remember kaiser white was like up on the line of scrimmage mugging the A-gap, and then he's got a drop, and they're running mesh, and he's supposed to run with Michael Gallup, and he doesn't know he's supposed to run with Michael Gallup, and Gallup runs across the field, and Dak shakes off the sack, and Gallup is sitting there wide open. So I don't know that they... That wasn't you, Sheila. That was a Zoom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know that it's, you know, I, I think at times, I don't know, what are your thoughts? They do try to do some of that stuff, not that it always works. So the thing is this. One... They like you and I can come up with examples of them doing it because they do it twice, once to twice a game. So, so it's like, ah, that was the one play where they did it, which isn't enough, even when you got like an elite defensive line. Number two is all right, so they try to mug with Kaiser. Kaiser drops, he missed his assignment, gallops open. Guess what happens if Kaiser doesn't mug and just lines up where he's supposed to line up? The guy he's responsible for ends up open. So, it's it's if I have like Darius Slay. I want to line him up in the most simple and basic ways because I expect him to be better than the guy that's opposite him. If I'm in a winning proposition, I want the game to go as expected. I want the matchup to go as expected. If I'm in a losing position, if I'm with Kaiser White up against somebody, I want to invite chaos. I want to make this weird. I want to add confusion because I'm now more likely to get a positive outcome. I'm trying to bring this thing to 50-50 from like 35-65, the percent chance that Kaiser White was going like to make a good play in coverage. Yeah. There is... But what this does is it, firstly, it requires a good understanding of the opponent, which, like, I don't know anything. But I'm never, I never watch a Gannon game 
That's not true. The Titans game, they were really good, actually. There's, it's rare that I watch a Gannon game and I go, wow, they knew all the routes. They knew all the checks. Like, Marshawn Lattimore calling out a slant. Like, ah. I don't see that a lot from the Eagles. So there's that. So one, you got to know what the opponent's going to do. Number two, you have to, like, know the buttons to press, which requires experimentation. It requires uh, being wrong sometimes. It requires taking risks. And Gannon just doesn't seem interested in this. Uh, I so very desperately want to see Gannon become a head coach because I want to see where he puts his money on defense, like what he invests in, and then I want to see how it works because I am so confident that if he tried to call this defense with a group, a personnel grouping that isn't the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Niners, maybe the Patriots defensive line, like maybe it would Great not pass work. rush your side. Yeah, okay. the pass rush. I, you cannot be this vanilla unless you are truly dominant up front. And if Gannon becomes the head coach of the Carolina Panthers tomorrow, and they got Brian Burns, and they got Derek Browns, and they got Marquise Haynes and Yutur Gross Matos, and they go and they sign big extensions, they get Hargrave in the building, right? They go and they get a, 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 a first-round pick at edge, and they, they fill the cupboard, and it works great. Like, Gannon knows where his bread's buttered. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just he cannot. It's like you said at the top. That he cannot get put past plan A. He does not know where to go if plan A doesn't land. I just looked this up. Eagles have 50, when the Eagles rush four or fewer, they have 54 sacks this season. The second place team, how many do you think they have? It's Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, no, it's actually the Patriots. So Patriots. One of the oh, yeah, because Uche's yeah. been racking up sacks. Patriots are top seven. Yeah, Patriots are, I mean, Cowboys are top seven. Patriots are second. 54. I'll say like 45. 39. Whoa, get out of Dodge. Come on. So, so it kind of goes to what we're saying. Me, I mean, who's in a better, now listen, if you're a, if you, if you like Gannon, you could say, yeah, well, you know, sometimes their coverage is good and it buys for time for the pass rush to get home. I mean, their pass rush wins a lot. I mean, there are probably some plays today, certainly where I'm like, all right, Dalton's holding onto the ball a little bit. He's hitching a couple times and they're sacking him, but the pass rush wins often. I mean, that is a luxury. That is a luxury when you can have a pass rush to have 54 sacks without having to blitz 15 more than any other team. I mean, the difference between the Eagles and number two, that's what, uh, 54 minus 39, that's 15, is the same as the difference between number two and number 15. <laughs> there. So it is a wide, wide gap. You're right. That's a luxury. You're, I mean, not only is it the investment, it's guys playing really well that you have. It, you know, it, it's depth. It's it's not just edge. It's D-tackle. Like there are different spots where people are playing well. And at the same time, you have a good defense right. statistically. You have a defense that probably I think both of us would say, I don't know if we trust this defense going in. And it's, playoff, and it's so. 13 we'll offensive And you have two points. good corners, by the way, yeah. too. It's 13 offensive points given up. They absolutely 100% unequivocally get coverage sacks. They got multiple coverage sacks in this game. And like there is a portion of that credit, not all of it, but a portion of that credit that belongs to Gannon. It's like all of that is true. However, you want to talk about like you have a bad offensive day. Well, they got what? They got four total drives in the in the first half, right? One, yeah, they had four total drives, and then they had the end of half drive off yeah. the interception. Their second drive started in the second quarter, right? Because 
the Saints took five minutes, 20 seconds with their second drive and nine total minutes with their first drive. Okay, well, the way you play means that when you lose, you you don't lose to explosives. You lose to incremental gains. Good. I like Jet like that as a philosophy. Like that's preferable. But it takes time. It takes a lot of time off the clock. So if you're going to let the Saints convert like multiple third downs at a fourth down on a drive, and you're going to lose in the short areas, and you're going to lose to the power running game, and they're going to be able to like this is like the Washington loss a little bit, right? Just kind of like inch step you down the field and convert on all their third downs, convert on all their fourth downs. It goes back to the same issue. When are you going to initiate? When are you going to get in the forefoot? Oh, if we get him into third and six, our four down pass rush and our, our pass rush can stop him. Okay, but you got to get him there at some point. Like, it's nice when they get themselves there. It's nice when they have the issue. It's nice when you get the, the, the penetration play and the sack on first down and whatever. But, like, do you know the buttons to press when you have to press the buttons? I don't think he does. I agree. Yeah, I am, uh, I am with you. We will see. It's, yeah, like you said, it, it's hard. They didn't give up a lot of points today, but at the same time, I'm with you, especially to start the game that way. I mean, that's just like so demoralizing to start mm-hmm. the game that way where you're giving up a nine-minute drive to Andy freaking Dalton. And I know completion percentage isn't everything, but my gosh, Andy Dalton should not be completing 12 straight passes against you. Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill should not be a combined 15 for 16 in the first half against you. I don't care if they're throwing one-yard passes, and they weren't, by the way. They were averaging, you know, seven, eight, nine yards per attempt mm-hmm. at that point in the game. But, uh, you know, part of it is just a preference. Like, what do you want to watch? And it is just really uh, tough to watch them sometimes. I mean, that was the 10th highest completion percentage by a uh, team in a game this season for the Saints today, 83%. So again, and, and they honestly, they could have scored some more points. I mean, they were very conservative with Dennis Allen's uh, decision-making. And so the final points, yeah, I do think you have to look a little bit beyond that to see how the Eagles played, how the Saints played uh, at the same time. I will give the Eagles defense credit for in the second half, playing a lot better and keeping them in the game. All right. Here's my thing. It's like three weeks ago, I was like Niners, Niners, Cowboys, Eagles. Like this is going to be tight. And I feel like everybody else was on, like, no, Eagles are head and shoulders better. And now, three weeks later, I think we're all there, where it's like, all right, this is going to be tight. Like, again, Niners had a weird game against the Raiders. But, like, the Cowboys are very good. The Niners are very good. And the Eagles are very good. The home field advantage in the first round by matters a lot. Because this is, like, a this is the legit NFC race. This, the Eagles are not head and shoulders above their, content, their other NFC contenders. And that's why, like, I'm, like, I'm not further down than I was, because I think like three weeks ago I was the pessimist. Also, Cliff told me he was with a bunch of his buddies today that like everybody is like, oh, like Ben's got bad Jalen Hurts MVP takes, which we have the same MVP take, Shield, and I don't know why I constantly get all <laughs> the guff for this. Me? I didn't do anything. Yell at Cliff's friends, not me. What no, okay, on? okay. <laughs> Collective Philly special podcast yelling. Shield and Cliff plus Cliff's yeah. friends plus everybody else. <laughs> he also thinks Mahomes is the MVP, and he yeah, thinks it'd be funny if the Eagles got the fifth seed. Get mad at him. He's the, he's the host. He gets to ask the questions. She's like, I'm the first one who has to answer. This is nonsense. No, I've said I've said that a million times on uh, on uh, Ringer feeds. I think that's a small subset, honestly, Ben. I think it comes back to your one tweet about Jalen Hurts is what made people mad. I'm sure that's what Cliff's friends are thinking about. I don't think it's the overall discussion. Uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 one tweet. Yeah, so uh, no, Mahomes Mahomes is the MVP. Mahomes has been the MVP. I actually think that uh, here I'll I'll give a take that'll bring some hate my way, Ben. I feel like if it were reversed and Mahomes were the Eagles' quarterback 
and Hertz was like the other team's quarterback and that fan base thought Hertz would be the MVP. I think Eagles fans would be relentlessly obnoxious and yep. aggressive about how dumb it is that anyone could even think that anyone other than Mahomes would be the MVP. I will say this: it, the, the last two weeks have been pretty good for Hertz, though. I mean, when you, especially today, it's not. You know, yes, there's a great supporting cast. The coaching has been good. The supporting cast has been good. But if you weren't sure, if you didn't have that appreciation for Hertz and some of those little things that he does, his calm. His poise, like you mentioned, you know, getting the ball to to the playmakers, not right. overthinking it and throwing the slant. They threw another slant to Quest today against Marshawn Lattimore. By the why are we targeting Marshawn Lattimore so many times? I think you're right. I don't. Know I that swear they, they, they did not Lattimore expect. Was I, I didn't did think Marshawn was going to be healthy. I don't think they Me thought Marshawn was going to be healthy, <laughs> and they didn't know what to do. Like, ah, is he bad? Is he good? What is he like? And they just didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> I couldn't believe when they threw another slant to Quez against Marshall. I'm like, this should not. Well, I don't care what the progression is. This should not be in the progression. All right. Everyone take a deep breath. Cliff did a good job. I think I think he's right. I think they're going to win week 18. You're going to go into the playoffs. You're going to have some uncertainty. But, man, if you have that one seed, if you have a bye in the first round, if you can get some of these guys healthy before you play a divisional round at Lincoln Financial Field, by the way, which will be a tremendous home field advantage against the, let's see, Bucks or Cowboys. That's probably who you're going to face, unless it's very possible the Vikings could lose in the first round, right, Ben? I mean, you could be facing the New York Giants. So it could be the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Bucks. Those are probably the most likely mm-hmm. teams you would face in the divisional round if you take care of business on Sunday. Now, listen, if they lose, if they somehow blow this on Sunday to the Giants in Week 18, then yes, all bets are off. Then everyone yes. go full Negadelphian because that is an absolute choke job to be 13-1 and one and then not even win the division. So we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I don't think we're going to have to. I think they're going to beat the Giants. They're huge favorites we will see all right that'll do it this edition of the ringers philly special we will be back midweek we will review the film we will talk about that eagles giants game we will talk about more uh, playoff machinations we will provide you with injury updates in the middle of the week of course listen to benny souls and i monday night ringer nfl show our episode is called extra point taken we're coming on after Bills Bengals, which I can't wait for, Benny Souls. That's going to be an awesome game. Yes, sir. Monday Night Football. We're going to talk about that game and other things that are happening around the NFL. So be sure to check us out. Once again, thank you to Benny Souls. We'll be back talking Eagles soon on the Ringers Philly Special.